Blog Talk Radio. Father, Father, 
first, I just ask that you forgive every one of us that are struggling with the things that are happening nowadays, whether it be the challenges that we have communicating with and having fellowship with our fellow brothers and sisters or trying to help people who might be vulnerable to information that is um, tainted, which pretty much is about 98% of everything that's out there right now. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you will forgive us. We pray for our brothers and sisters that are mixed up and intermingled in things that they believe. And we lift up all of the people on the seven mountains. We pray in Jesus' name, Father God, that you will awaken them. That the day will come that they will see that the very things that Jesus admonished and warned us powerfully about in the Olivet Discourse are all coming true right before their eyes and how hard it must be for them, the very few, that are starting to question that which they've been preaching or believing now powerfully for decades. In some cases, even their parents, and it's been passed down through generations. Father, we pray for the people that are out there prophesying in your name that as David Wilkerson taught, are what, by his definition and his teaching, entitled Pillow Prophets. Father, we pray for them. We pray for all of our fellow brothers and sisters. We pray for every one of the YouTubers, every one of the people that have come forth with websites, every one of the people that, there's all of us, are just seeped in sin, and we don't even realize it in many cases. Father, I pray that you will forgive me for the times that I've become frustrated and even though I wrap certain messages in uh, humor, I don't want anybody to be, I don't want to ever, ever uh, cause anyone any um, hard feelings or um, make them feel bad, ever. You know, you know me, Father, better than anybody you know, all of us better than anybody in all the universes, and we praise you for that. We thank you for Psalm 139 and the revelation associated with the depth of your understanding of us, who we are and who we are ought to be, but might allow our own feelings, perhaps our own lack of self-control, or our own frustrations that are associated with dealing with such a bizarre and peculiar time on the earth, an unfortunate time, for so many. The confusion is rampant. And it's rampant on a level that I can't even count myself out of that equation. Clearly, uh, 1 Corinthians 8, 2 is that combined with uh, Ecclesiastes 1, 18. And and also, I forget which one it is, maybe Job 3, 15. I forget which one. I have to go and look it up. Um... Though he slay me, yet I will trust him, our Father. Father, when I get on my knees and pray, and I pray that this touches somebody else out there because they can relate, and I pray for those who I, that I'm able to in the time that I have, many of which are perhaps regular show listeners or members of the original 400 that uh, 400 people that I put on a prayer list many, many years ago in accordance with instruction from you, members of my family, 
people that have been close to me over the years, assisted with the radio show at different times, many of them that have you know, done things that are just, you know, would be humanly completely and entirely unacceptable from a behavioral standpoint and are certainly are deep, deeply seeped in sin. But nevertheless, Father, I, as you know, I thank you, Jesus, for helping me to understand because I couldn't do this work if it wasn't for that. That whenever anybody, you know, sticks you in the back, betrays you or whatever the case is, whatever word you want to choose, sins against us, to remember those gracious, awesome words in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And we pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, that we each and every one of us remember the quote from Pastor William Law, whereby he said, there is nothing that will make you love a man more than praying for them. Let us all remember in the name of Jesus as the days grow darker, through an anointing of the presence of your mercy, Father God, and the graciousness of the Holy Spirit, that each and every one of us fall into sin by the very presumption that we are sin-free. Clearly one of the greatest paradoxes of all eternity, helping us to understand why even the prophet Isaiah um, was just completely undone. And I believe it was a cherubim. Was it a cherubim? I think it was. Or maybe it was a seraphim. I forget. I think it was a cherubim. Anyway, uh, uh, had to touch his lips with a hot coal. How the high priest Joshua in the vision given to Zechariah in chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, was clothed in filthy garments as he stood before you in the courts of heaven. To understand why an angel might stand before us, and if we were to even approach it, it would back away if it was in the spiritual, if it if it was in its spiritual uh, state, and say unclean. How difficult it is for us to know that the Scripture says that we're fe- fearfully and wonderfully made, but to also re- embrace the obvious, which is that that of that which is of the flesh. The very man existence, men body, women body existence on this earth is a fallen state, a state that no minor God, no light being of love, none that would be like him, like Jesus, would want to become ever No wonder that you remember that we are dust and have mercy upon us, Father, as long as we remember that if we fail to remember, to fear he who has the ability to cast body and soul into hell, and remember that that fear is true unadulterated fear. It is real fear. It's fear of hell. Like Bob Weiss, 23 Minutes in Hell. Hope I pronounce his name right. Bill. Bill Weiss, I believe it is. 23 Minutes in Hell. Testimony that I can't ever listen to again, Father. Keeps me awake at night. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you will continue to keep us humble and of a contrite spirit at all times, continuously repenting of our sins, continuously examining ourselves, continuously judging ourselves so that we would not be judged. 
Father, prevent us, we pray, through the presence of the Holy Spirit and anointing from only you and our Lord Jesus through prayer and a touch of his very spirit within us. To understand that when Paul was admonishing and correcting uh, the church of Corinth, that it was an extreme situation and at the word that was used there, we should never, never, never take one or two examples, one or two scriptures in the, that we probably misunderstand, probably do not have a good understanding of the Greek, and use that as an excuse to to break the commandments that were given to us in dozens of other locations in the scripture. But yet, that's what we do. We look for excuses to sin. We hunt for ways to get around the obvious. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that, we, that you will forgive us for that. Father, if I have stepped out of line at any time, which I am certain that I have, I pray that you will forgive me. I pray for every single person that is listening to this program live. I pray in Jesus' name fervently for every single person that is listening live or in a recorded podcast at a later date. I pray for every single listener of the show that doesn't like to participate or doesn't have the time or whatever the case is to participate in the prayer vigil, but listens to the other programs and remembers me even for a couple of seconds and a mention in prayer. And I ask you for a tenfold blessing and anointing to come upon them, Father God, your holy fire to surround their dwelling place and the salvation of the souls of their loved ones. We are all utterly imperfect. If anyone thinks they know anything, they know nothing yet, as they ought to know. 1 Corinthians 8.2 And Father, when we realize that the entire Bible really, with the exception of the explicit uh, storylines, which is understood spiritually and discerned at a spiritual level, beyond the context as thought that those who proclaim to be uh, somehow certified by man instead of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that context is infinitely unimportant the vast majority of the time. That dispensationalism is used in a sinful manner to get to make up reasons why we don't have to obey certain things that Jesus said. Father, we ask for your forgiveness for every one of us. We ask for your forgiveness for all the evangelical churches and the Christians out there right now, Father, that completely do not understand what is happening. We ask you for to please forgive us for our frustration. I, I raise my hand just to the, I wish I could raise it high enough that it would just touch the ceiling of the room. The frustrations that many of us have as we hear, we see the news reports. We see, I'm not picking on anybody, this is just an example, but we see the CBN reports. Um, a lot of times the Charisma News does a pretty good job. Um, the Gospel Herald News does a dandy job. Praise Jesus. We There are so many of them. The ones that seem to be the Christian news sources that are in the Middle East seem to be, you know, the Gospel Herald and um, trying to think what the other one is, uh, seem to be right on target. They don't miss a trick. They're right on it. They understand things because they're in the midst of it. But they probably don't understand the things that are happening in the Ukraine. Special operation. That is absolutely horrific. That is absolutely devastating. It's horrible. But it's entirely misunderstood. And the West is lying, constantly lying. It's the most horrible situation that I think the world has ever seen. And there is collusion 
evil collusion that is occurring between pretty much the entire European Union, Australia, and clearly the United States of America, and any of its allies that succumb to the pressure of Babylon the Great. Clearly, this country is Babylon the Great. There is no doubt about it. And now we know why you have chosen Russia to levy judgment, even with the Moabites, the Chechen forces. There are some of the most fearsome forces in the entire world when it comes to urban warfare because their countrysides, their homes were pillaged and destroyed. They were trained at very young ages, but unfortunately, they prayed to the wrong God. Father, we lift up all the Chechen forces and we pray in the name of Jesus that through dreams and visions of the night that you will make yourself known to them. Now, of course, amidst their, quote, comrades at this time, if they were to admit that they had given their lives or even seen you in the dream, Jesus, they would be immediately killed. But yet at the same time, just as the Moabites and the Amorites and other, uh, and, and really the uh, Assyrians and the Persians were used in the Old Testament as a form of judgment, even against Israel, we see these things taking place right now. We see who you have chosen, Father, to levy that judgment. And we are also painfully and agonizingly, if there is such a word, aware that the mass slaughter that's taking place, the mass graves, the attempts to take out the electrical substation uh, feeding power to the Chernobyl plant, the shelling that was coming from the armed forces of the Ukraine to take out the power to Chernobyl, such that Belarus had to go in and connect power up themselves to keep the, the plant from going into another state of meltdown. The evil that is happening right now amongst these people, many, I'm not saying, and Father, you know, you know the hearts. We don't know the hearts, but we do know what a Nazi is. And to see the West lying and supporting and, and being okay with it, not only okay with it, but being willing participants in some of the most dark, sinister, sick, twisted, Dr. Fauci, Gates, bioweapons attacks, injecting immunodeficiency diseases like AIDS into millions of unwitting people and Christians even, Father, across the world, having ultimately killed some of our fellow and brothers and sisters who have been doing wonderful things for you over the years and were awake and aware who preached against vaccinations but were overtaken by what they call long COVID now, a bioweapon, gain of function, funded by Obama. No one gets punished. None of the pedophiles go to jail. None of these things happen. There is no law. This is the lawless world. It is utterly lawless. As each day goes on, Father, we just praise you because we understand more and more what the words remnant actually mean. More and more it appears that there's going to be a smaller and smaller, and I, I just can't even imagine it, must be so infinitesimally small, the barley harvest. Because so many people believe that they're going to make the barley harvest, but the very belief that they would is by its nature a presumptuous sin. 
and does not come from tearful eyes that are those of the tax collector and the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. May we all be tax collectors. May we all rent our robe. Maybe May we all be Job, if that's what is necessary to bring us to that place. Father, may we be given the gift of determination. It's a gift. It can only come from you. It says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, yet sometimes we feel unable. Oh, and we say things and we sing prayers and, and sing, sing songs about you carrying us when, we, when, we are, when, when we're unable to carry ourselves. There's a lot of truth to that, clearly. But at the same time, to assume that we have no obligation to take responsibility for the commandments that are in the Word of God and to assume that this is all somehow on autopilot is an awful travesty because we're here to learn, to be taught, to be beaten down and torn down and to suffer in trials and tribulations and go through these things because we're being conditioned to be part, hopefully, so hopefully, Father God, of the ruling class of beings in light and love, glorified. The ruling class, understanding that the new Jerusalem descends from the outer space. It really does. It actually, whether it's through an in, some sort of interdimensional, multiple realm, wormhole of some type, or however it moves, it is some gigantic cube that descends on the earth, adorned as a bride. Why would it say that? Because the bride is inside of her. But how many of those that are part of the three harvests? Certainly not the grape harvest doesn't. I can't even imagine that the grape harvest would make, uh, while it would be, it's clear in Luke 12, 35, 36, and 37, it's clear that they are taken to the wedding supper and that they would sup with you, Jesus. It says so. It says the second watch is also taken to the wedding supper and that they would sup with you. The question is, is the barley harvest the only one that qualifies as the ruling class? And I would submit, I guess, no, because of Matthew 22 and the parable therein, where it says clearly in Matthew 22 that the second group of servants that were sent out after the first group was sent out, mysteriously the scripture shifts and says now other servants are sent out because the first group wasn't listened to. And the other servants were persecuted in an awful manner, which implies that the first group was not so much. So it, it seems to imply that the first group, the barley harvest, is not really subject to the magnitude of persecution by any stretch. That those of the wheat harvest, e.g. the final harvest, or i.e. the final harvest, that are still alive after the meteor strikes off the coast of Puerto Rico at the kickoff, at the uh, really the very um, 
moment in time that the day of the Lord is initiated, while World War III, while Gog and Magog are all in progress, the entire earth shakes. All brick all brick and mortar buildings, all anything that's not wood frame is going to collapse into rubble worldwide. Worldwide. As Isaiah 24 says, the earth will rock to and fro like a drunkard. 22 million people will die on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. But if that's true, how many other how many other tens, if not hundreds of millions, die in the Mediterranean states, on uh, all over the world? If the whole world is shaking, which it is, a thousand-foot tidal wave, if it's a thousand-foot nearby where the meteor hits, how many hundreds of feet is that tsunami on the other side of the world hitting Australia, Tasmania, the Solomon Islands, New Zealand? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of coastal, uh, low, relatively low-lying lands are going to go underwater. And then the very, very, very few number of saints that are still alive that did not make the barley harvest would be part of the final harvest, which happens after the three days of darkness. And just prior to Russia's nuclear submarine-launched missiles, with their multiple independent re-entry vehicles, MIRVs, warheads, thermonuclear, seven seconds to detonation from the time that the button is pressed, and the United States of Babylon the Great vanishes into a cloud of fire, destroyed in one hour, as the Bible says. Metaphorically referred to in the day of the Lord in Revelation chapter six thirteen and fourteen or twelve thirteen and fourteen it says the 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 skies will roll up as a scroll. That's actually the manifestation of Revelation eighteen, and the destruction of Babylon the Great. And the wheat harvest is taken off the earth. So those out there, Father, who were given a word from you, the many that are telling people when the missiles come down, we go up. Unfortunately, they have no idea. The magnitude of the global devastation and the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of people that will be dead. And how few Christians will be worthy and in a safe zone at that time to participate in that final harvest. Yet here we are with the greatest level of Christian division across the world than the world has ever seen. I would submit, Father, maybe I'm wrong, but I would submit even in the Dark Ages, during the bubonic plague, during the 1500s, the 1100s, the 1200s, the, you know, the 1600s, that the Christian population on the earth was, was probably even more unified, those at least who professed you as Lord and Savior we're likely much more unified than what we have today with 33,000 different denominations. Ukrainian churches, some good, some bad. Some of them chasing 
and threatening to kill Russian-speaking Ukrainians out of their church. Myriads of prophets prophesying and telling people that they met with you, Jesus. God, come in the flesh, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, and received up into glory, believed upon in the world. First Timothy 3.16 Lord Jesus, how is it that someone can meet with you, come back to earth, and then tell everybody something that is absolutely incorrect and never comes to pass? But we know the answer, don't we? Praise God. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will please forgive us all, because we need it. We need to be supernaturally unified somehow in the Spirit. But the Scripture doesn't manifest that when you read it. In fact, it seems to indicate, clearly to me anyway, in the multiple times that I have read the New Testament and Revelation, many, many, many times, with confirmations from the Old Testament, that things get worse, not better. So, Father, we lift up all of those who have a good heart. In accordance with Psalm 139, which is absolutely some of the most beautiful scriptures for those of us who hunger and thirst for our opportunity to stand in your throne room. Father, we just pray that you will look upon the hearts of all of the people that want to be in your presence, regardless of their level of understanding of the scripture. Whether they're babies, brand new, haven't had, never had a Bible in their house, no matter what the state is that they are, but they still believe. As you said, Jesus, in Revelation chapter 3 for the church of Laodicea, I would want for you to either be hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Clearly, those with Bibles that are not being read are those that are beyond any shadow of a doubt, lukewarm. And how sad it is how many, which I have been, that are people that I know personally, how awfully sad it is that they're Beliefs are still full of iniquity, even though they're regular churchgoers. The things that they're being taught are incorrect. They read the scripture and they do not see. Father, what are we going to do? And we know that we weren't sent here to save the world, that you were. You are our Savior. Jesus is our Lord, and you and the Father, Lord, are one. John 10.30 And we are supposed to be one. It's part of the body. Neither man nor woman, Jew or Gentile, but all one. Galatians is the body of Christ. Yet we see nothing of the sort here. Not even close. Clearly, we have entered into a time. There's no doubt about it. It can't even be argued to those of us who are awake. We have entered into the time of zero fellowship. Oh, there's plenty of fellowship happening out there, but only amidst those who are completely and utterly unaware of the things that are happening across the world right now. They may see part of the story as they embrace their guns and prepare for the days ahead. 
absolutely dripping in iniquity, but unaware of it. Taught by the, these people that call them their pastors and preachers with smiley faces and jumping around on the stage. What a great preacher! But not being told anything that really matters for the days that we're in right now. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, in accordance with Psalm 139, in Jesus' name, that you will take an inventory. Not and and I I can only believe, but I do know that Isaiah 43:25 says, "Let us contend together for your own sake," and that our prayers are far hundreds of times a magnitude more important than many any one of us or any individual on this earth could ever derive from reading the Bible. It's clear that they're important, but not clear how important they are. And we pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, and call down your mercy, because your mercy does endure forever. What does that mean? Father, do we truly understand even what the word forever means as we are in this fallen hologram, this cardened off area of the glorified universes, the kingdom of God? What do we understand? Father, we pray that you will continue to make our hearts humble and contrite. If we need to be beaten down, beat us down. If we need to, uh, to, to go through extremely difficult times in our lives, then let it happen. When we pray that we surrender ourselves into your hands, do with us what you will, whatever you will, we thank you. Let that be truly from the bottom of our heart. Help us to come to a place where Isaiah 26 verse 3 actually matters. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because, and only because, and only because, and only because, we trust you, Father. Yet at the same time, if we truly trusted you, nothing would upset us because we trusted you. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you will do an inventory. We call down the Spirit of the living God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, the presence of the angels in the name of Jesus, to sweep across the globe, across all the continents, across all of Europe, from Ireland to Donbass, to the NATO line, all across Asia, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, Mongolia, Burma, Nepal, Okinawa, Japan, North and South Korea, the Philippines, Taiwan, Guam, Papua Al New Guinea, South Pacific Islands, all the country states inside of the vast continent of amazing Africa, the lands in North America, Mexico, America, Canada, Alaska, Hawaii, and all, all the provinces that belong, the Caribbean, 
the many countries in Central America that are all forgotten until there's an earthquake. The myriad of countries that are in the vast continent of South America, Venezuela, Peru, all of them, Chile, Argentina, Brazil, Bolivia, Ecuador, Colombia. Father God, we pray in the name of Jesus. We don't want to leave out Iceland. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that in the tiny number of countries that we did mention, we're asking you in Jesus' name and all of the island nations too. We call down in Jesus' name your spirit upon this earth to touch every single one and to look into their hearts as we know that you do. But we're asking you in prayer to touch those who have a good heart. We understand that there are those who are sadly um, have iniquity embedded so deeply within them. They live so deeply within the flesh that they do not understand what it means to carry your cross, Lord Jesus, and follow after you to, to our deaths all the way to Golgotha. How odd it is that we're, they, they read those words but don't understand. They think that at some point it's okay to drop their cross and pick up an earthly weapon, even though the Bible specifically states that is not true in multiple places, but yet they do because they are utterly gushing iniquity in their flesh. Otherwise, good prophets, otherwise good teachers, completely misunderstanding your scripture and teaching people to do things that are absolutely awful and horrible, unthinkable. Even when the early church, the pilgrim church, set an example for us, and it was documented, but they ignore it. Because they have a right under the law of their country. They also have a right to sodomy as well, under the law of their country. But they pick and choose what they want. Lord, this world needs to be shaken. This world needs to be judged. And we see it moving forward, albeit slowly, because of your mercy. And we pray in Jesus' name that your spirit, your mercy, your love, through the presence of the Godhead, will move unhindered. An innumerable company of angels, as is stated in Hebrews 12, uh, 22, will be sent down across this earth to, to catalog and to, to, to investigate and to, and to take inventory of the hearts of the people in all of these countries, Father, that know or profess you as Lord and Savior Jesus, that believe in you, for those who have good hearts. Look for those who wouldn't even hurt. They wouldn't hurt a fly. Look for those who have true compassion, the altruistic, even though they may be misguided, even though they may pray to the, oh, a false god at this time. We pray in the name of Jesus that those who have the good hearts, those who know the difference between right and wrong, those who, uh, by virtue of that which is spoken of in Romans chapter 1, are aware of you, but maybe are not, they just don't know you. Because those who are seeping in iniquity right now, who have been have hundreds and hundreds of years of false teachings, burned into their heart, 
There's no way we're going to be able to get through that. But Father, you can. You can touch. You can find us who have a good heart. You can. And Father, we also pray that those who are misled by the preachers and teachers out there who just simply don't have the spiritual acuity to be able to see. Uh, I even had to spend two years on my knees in tears praying for you to show me. And when you did, I was blown away because it was so obvious. The fact that we're not allowed to use earthly weapons. The fact that uh, the scripture clearly states it, it's so obvious that when Jesus sent out your apostles to get swords, sell your cloak, go grab a sword, that they had none. They went and found two, brought them back to 13 people, and you said that's enough. It says right there in the scripture, praise your holy name. That, the, that Jesus might be counted with the transgressors. That Jesus may be counted as, you know, with the transgressors. That was the whole reason why he sent them out, to get the swords. Two swords, 13 people, that's enough. They didn't have them, or else he wouldn't have sent them out. When Peter used it, Jesus admonished him. Apologized, I'm sure. I mean, what else could Jesus have had on his face at the time that he took the severed ear and healed it and put it back on the head of the victim? Why did he say before Pontius Pilate, if, if my servants were from this wor- or, or world, we would fight, but we are not from here. None of us fight for any reason. We are called to be humble, loving, and to transcend all things of the flesh. We are called to actually become, thank you, Jesus, praise you, Father, to actually become that which we are to become, but to, but, but to become it now. Some people have that as a natural part of just who, what their makeup is. I expect, Father, that every person, every congregation in every church of this world as is, as is clearly implied through the um, Revelation 2 and 3 in the report cards of the seven churches, that every single church out there has a tiny percentage of those who would never hurt a fly. I know that's a, a colloquialism, Father, but I praise you for it because I think it really makes a point. That is who we are. It has nothing to do with being complacent or not taking a position. It has everything to do with understanding who we are in the kingdom. We are citizens of heaven, Philippians 3.20, I believe it is. Citizens. Our citizenship is in heaven. It doesn't say it becomes. It doesn't say, it's so amazing how we take things out of context, how we miss the tense here. The word. No matter what translation you use, it still says the same thing for the most part. There will come a time. Well, if it says there will come a time, then it's obviously not the time that it was penned. People miss it. A lot of them do. Our brothers and sisters. 
Father, we would just pray down your angels. And we ask you in the name of Jesus to send them again, like your scripture says, because we can't quantify the numbers that are necessary to touch those, to awaken those who have those special attributes and ingredients that are associated with those whom you, Father, have predestined, who you pre-knew. You knew us. We weren't just spirit babies popping out of the loins of God like some people believe. You knew us. We praise you, Father, and we thank you for knowing us. We don't understand who we are. We drank from the cup of forgetfulness, or as it says in Isaiah 56, I think it is. No, 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 no. It's another place in Isaiah, the the valley of forgetfulness. We don't remember what happened prior to us being here on this earth. Just as the new Jerusalem descended, descends from the sky adorned as the bride, so did the Garden of Eden at the fall, descended down upon this earth, fallen and teeming with life forms. Oh, how hard it is for people to understand that, that when it says, let us create them in our image, it's not talking about Adam and Eve. And the us is not God, it is not Jesus, and it is not the Holy Spirit. To understand that you, Father God, designate people, you designate beings across all of the universes to work on your behalf, which by definition is an angelic form, a son of God. Why does the book of Job say, can you guide the sons of Arcturus? Can you loose the belts of Orion? Why does it say that? Who are the sons of Arcturus? Why does it say in Psalms 82 that you minor gods, I have called you children of the Most High, sons of God, but you shall die like men. How does a minor God die like a man? And why did Jesus say in John 10:34, have I not said ye are gods? Why would he say that? We praise you, Father, for the epiphanies, the revelations, the amazing, unspeakably glorious uh, mysteries that have been released. And so few receive them, as you said, Jesus, over and over again, so many different times. For for example, in the scripture where you said that, 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 that John the Baptist is Elijah, if you can receive it. But instead, the church says, oh, he was baptized by the Holy Spirit when he was inside the belly of, you know, and it's like, where does it say that? But then Jesus says, if you can receive it, John the Baptist is Elijah, if you can receive it, if you can receive it, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And who, whoever... That which is bound on earth is bound in heaven. That which is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. Who understands that scripture? You, Father. We praise your name. But it doesn't make it any easier for us to endure. And we know, we believe, and I thank you. I want to praise you, Father, on on behalf of everybody who is listening to this program and praying and believing and understanding and being giving revelations of mysteries that 
probably less than 1% of the Earth's population have even heard, let alone believe. But they're right there in your word. To grasp how enormous the not only this opportunity is, but the opportunity to participate in eternity. Not falling short and simply being happy, although I would be thrilled, no no question about it, with a you know, a little Thomas Kincaid cottage firing to join you as a fellow sufferer, a metacoy. Lord Jesus, adorned as a bride in the new Jerusalem that descends upon the earth. That's billions of years old. Why do you create a new heavens and a new earth? Why do you destroy the heavens and the earth? What is this cycle that continues to happen over and over again? What is this all about? We don't understand. But it's in our Bible. So we know it's true. We praise you, Father, for these mysteries. We thank you for elevating us, elevating us beyond the realm of the flesh, even though we are absolutely engulfed by it. We pray that you strengthen us supernaturally so that we're not, not only are we able to receive these incredible mysteries and help them motivate us and benefit us to understand who we are in the kingdom of God, which is multiple universes, trillions of galaxies, trillions of life forms, most of which are glorified, most of which know Jesus. And here we are on the other side of the Orion belt, unable to loose that belt and come home until you say it is time. Because we cannot loose the belt of Orion. Neither can Satan. And neither can any of his fallen angelic beings. We thank you, Father, for revealing these mysteries to the hearts of babes. And we know that this does not give us an advantage except potentially in motivation, if we can receive it. It also helps us to be able to witness to people that are part of the New Age, that is so close to reality, but has a couple of, just a couple of big giant lumps of leaven, just enough to send them straight down. Lord, this is a messed up world, and it's getting worse. It's getting worse to imagine, to imagine that it could be this bad and yet there are still there so many highly influential brothers and sisters out there that are misleading probably millions of Christians. A small group. With a very large following. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that there is no limit to the number of angels that you will release upon this earth to touch through Psalm 139 and to inventory the hearts of all of those who believe in Jesus. 
to bring them to a new place in their understanding, wherever that is. Maybe one rung, maybe two rungs, maybe three rungs of the ladder up. But some, to bring them to a place, Lord, where they are not utterly overwhelmed by the things that are going to be happening in the next X number of months or years. I dread even thinking about the amount of time that we might have to endure yet. How many of the false flag threats that came from the World Economic Forum and the Nazis that are running the world and trying to murder us with their pharmaceutical poisons and gain-of-function laboratory experiments, no one's going to get arrested. They never do. The global satanic crime syndicate continues to operate at full speed. And we know that you are restraining. We know that you have lifted your hand, Father, away from the earth, and we praise you for that. We see progress, and that progress is drawing us closer to our imminent departure, whatever imminent means, and potentially some very difficult times for even us to have to go through, but certainly not as bad as those who, are, who don't make the barley harvest. That's assuming that we, we do. Let us not have presumptuous sin and be humble and contrite in all of our seeking of your mercy, Father. When we become aware of the magnitude of the imperfections of not only ourselves, but our fellow brothers and sisters, no matter what walk of life they're from, no matter, no matter what, we all have positive attributes. We all have things that we do that we shouldn't, feelings that we feel that we shouldn't, assumptions that we assume that we shouldn't. We're quick to identify those who are making colossal mistakes, but yet at the same time, we're unaware of those that we might be making that are rather colossal to you, Father. Let not one of us, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Father, oh, please, chasten us, chasten us. We beg you, we beseech you, Father, chasten us, no matter what it takes, place of humility and a contrite spirit, that we may be found worthy to escape all these things through the barley harvest at the time that you decide that the fullness of the Gentiles has been brought in. But that may be, and it almost certainly is, a period of time. As far as I can tell, biblically speaking, that must be the final harvest during the day of the Lord, after the three days of darkness, when the sun turns black as sackcloth of air. That's got to be the final harvest. That's got to be, it's the, it's the one that happens at the end of Matthew 22 from the other servants that are sent out, that are persecuted and killed, much more so than what the barley harvest would be, if at all. We praise you, Father, for these understandings. It gives us things to shoot for, to pray for, to wish for, to hope for, to have faith in. It says in the scripture, it's a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But yet at the same time, we are commanded to have a humble and contrite spirit and not any presumptuous sin. But that's a great affront to you, Father. 
We ask you, Lord, please, if it is at all possible, in the name of Jesus, before you, Father, in great humility, knowing we are utterly unworthy. Mark 11:23, which I carry laminated in my pocket, slightly abridged for uh, to zero in on the keywords. Have faith in God. Whatever you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive Him, those things, and you will have them. Father, we lift up in faith ourselves utterly unworthy, and we pray in Jesus' name. Not only that you would inventory all of the hearts of all of the Christians and all 33,000 plus denominations across this world and every single one of the countries and find those who have the ingredients, the attributes, the kindness, the sweetness, the mercy, the compassion that is just embedded within the very makeup of who they are and elevate. Bring them to a place, Father God, that they can be, as Matthew 22 says at the end, at the very least, guests at the wedding supper. Those who survive the meteor, the global shaking, the great earthquake, the three days of darkness, and the judgment that you send down from beings from other parts of the Shamayim, the heavens, Isaiah 13, Joel 2. To levy judgment upon the unrighteous. As those of us who are a part of the body of Christ at that time are to reside in our chambers for a little while until the indignation has passed. Isaiah twenty twenty six, Or is it twenty six twenty? I got to go back. Praise you, Jesus. I got to go back and start looking at these numbers again because I get them sometimes I flip them. Thank you, Father God. We just praise your holy name. We pray that you will just touch and anoint. Find the people that have the good hearts. Find the people that can be reached. There's there's a witticism, Father, that is almost utterly apropos to this prayer, and that is It, 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 is, it is very closely aligned to um, the things that are happening across the earth with our fellow brothers and sisters. And for some reason, I'm not remembering it. And maybe it's because I'm just going to go ahead and ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, that you will find these people, that you will touch them, that you will elevate them, that you will bring them to a new place in their walk. Father, in the name of Jesus, those who can be reached those who can be reached, that do not have biases of hundreds of years of false teaching and today's false teachings burned into their spirit, that they're blinded when they read your word. We pray in the name of Jesus that you will search out those who can be touched. And we also pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that our fellow brothers and sisters who have been lied to about you know, their, their right to defend themselves with guns, which is an absolute lie of Satan himself, a horrific contortion and misunderstanding of obvious scripture that if you would just read it and look at it, that Jesus would be counted amongst the transgressors, which is a direct quote out of the book of Isaiah. No different than Jesus getting a donkey to ride it in uh, uh, to Jerusalem. And the scripture says right there that he may fulfill the prophecies 
but we contort it, we twist it, we make it satanic because we live in the flesh, but we don't. And we praise you for that, Father. But so many of our fellow brothers and sisters do. And we ask you, Father, rather than sending them to hell, which is where so many of them will most likely end up, because you can't shoot your way into heaven, and you certainly can't murder your way into heaven. And you can't do what John 16, uh, John uh, 16, 2 says. They will kick you out of the synagogues. Yes, there will come a time when they kill you and think that they have done God a service, but they do this because they do not know the Father nor me. I suppose if you don't know the Father and we don't know you, Jesus, then gee whiz. Doesn't sound like we're coming to heaven, does it? For at the very least, we're going to be cast into the Great Tribulation, Revelation 2.22. What a horrible, horrible thing to have to go through if you survive the day of the Lord. If you're shooting guns during the day of the Lord, <laughs> I don't know what, I can't even imagine what your destiny will be. The only place we could be if we're still here is on our knees in our chambers and praying in your presence. Until the indignation passes. Transformed into, partially transformed into light beings, as Isaiah 60, verses 1, 2, and 3 say. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that any of those who have been misled, any of those who have the love of Christ in their heart and can never even imagine in a quadrillion zillion years, shooting somebody, let alone a sparrow. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that if they pick up weapons, if they pick up a gun, that angels will be in their presence at that time and the guns will turn red hot and lock and burn their hands they drop them on the ground and they fall to their knees in repentance knowing that they were supernaturally saved from hellfire and the ignorance of those who taught them so. The iniquity. The lack of love. The unbelievable, deep, endless, eternal lack of love. Father, we just praise you for your mercy for even those who were cast into the great tribulation, the tribulation saints, the grape harvest. Revelation 14, harvested in Revelation 14. Those who have a seal of God on their forehead still that saves them from the sting of the locusts in Revelation 9. We praise you, Father, for your mercy does endure. So many of us will not be found worthy when that time comes. And we're just asking you in the name of Jesus and praying in accordance with Isaiah 43:25. We are contending with you. We are praising you for not remembering our sins. We are praising you for giving us that opportunity. And we are asking in the name of Jesus for you to find and touch supernaturally all the hearts and the minds. I don't, we don't, we're, Father, you know where they are. You know where they are. 
And we ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, to part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea and allow your angels, that innumerable company of angels, innumerable, to descend upon this earth to touch every one of the 243 countries, including the island nations, to touch all of those who know Jesus, all of those who search for you, Father, Enough that they would at the very least be those who were guests at the wedding supper at the end of Matthew 22. At the very least. And Father, please, in Jesus' name, for all of those, including members of my own family, that may very likely pick up a weapon Turn that weapon red hot. Burn the skin off their hands. Bring them to tears. Put them on their knees in Jesus' name. Save them from the pit. Have mercy upon even them. So much deception. Clearly the darkest times the earth has ever seen as far as the state of the body of Christ. Never before was there so much deception in some cases, willful ignorance, denial, fear, perfect love, cast out all fear. And if we want to be perfect, love is the bond of perfection. Love is the bond of perfection. If you want to be perfect, sell everything that you have, give it to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. Love is the bond of perfection. Love is the bond of perfection. Against which there is no law. Against which there is no law. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that for those of us who have the spiritual ingredients, because clearly not all of we know that this place is a place of testing, we know that this place is a place of testing. Earth is a giant filter, a gigantic filter, to filter out those who might be chosen, not just called. Not just called, but chosen. In accordance with the promises of your scripture, Lord Jesus, we ask you, through your prayers, and in accordance with those things that were written about us in our books, Psalm 139, verse 16, Ephesians 2.10, that we would walk in those works. That we would understand that we need to take responsibility. That we need to get determined. Because if we keep waiting, keep getting frustrated, keep getting upset, continuing to let our emotions overcome us, fail to stay humble, Forgetting the scripture says, let every man seek his own salvation with fear and trembling. Bring us to that place, Father God, where we're so hungry for your presence that that's all we want to do is reside in the secret place of the Most High. But also give us the ability to allow the borderline mental torture that occurs in the workplace today in so many ways. 
to just roll off our shoulders. Give us that strength, Lord Jesus. Let my little bracelet come true for all of us. I can do anything through you, Lord Jesus. I can do all things through you. But we have to take the initiative. We have to be obedient to the scripture. And we do have to fear you, Father. We have to believe that every word of it is true. Which we do. Even those things where we may not be completely sure if we totally understand them. We praise you for that, Lord, because we need it now more than ever. Send your angels down by the hundreds of trillions in an innumerable company. Touch those that have the ingredients, the attributes of their spirit to become either a part of your bride or at the very least, a guest at the wedding supper. And forgive those, Father, please, in Jesus' name, that for whatever reason have been misled. Forgive them, Father. We pray that through your mercy, you will awaken them too. Sooner than later. Because right now, Father, I just don't believe. I don't see any evidence. Gosh, it really looks like the remnant is so tiny. And it's and for those who believe that they're already part of the remnant, forgive them for their presumptuous sin. We thank you, Father, for this vast and wide and very deep understanding of what all this means, or likely means, clearly what it does mean, no doubt. Of course, without vision into eternity. Knowing that we don't really have the capability to even imagine the concept of eternity. Thank you for knowing us. Thank you. As the scripture says, for those that you, Father, foreknew, foreknew. Why would it say foreknew? Because you knew us before planet Earth. You knew us before our existence here. You foreknew us. We praise you for that opportunity. We ask you for extra strength. Extra strength. To understand that the word disciple comes from the Latin root word discipline. And to help us to understand that the time does grow. For the first time in my personal last 11 years or so, for the first time, we can look at what's going on across the world and we know that you have taken not all of the protection away, but the vast majority of he that restrains has stopped restraining. We have finally come to that place. However long it may last, that turning point Your judgments 
are global in scope. The rise of the Fourth Reich is in progress. The FEMA camps are ready. The global Gestapo is already in action. The slaughter of mankind is in progress. The judgments of the Amorites and the Moabites is in progress. We're literally a missile away from World War III and global financial collapse. And we praise you, Father, for that. And we ask you, especially now, for more strength, more mercy, more determination, more self-awareness to be able to truly overcome that which comes to us naturally. Understanding what it really means when the scripture says perfect love that can only come from you, Father. Cast out all fear and that you will keep us in perfect peace. In perfect peace. Because our minds are stayed upon you in the secret place of the Most High. Because we trust you. Let those not be empty words. But a new reality and a new realm that we enter into through our sanctification. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you, Father forever and ever. Amen. Tonight is April the 22nd of 2022, the 21st of Nissan, it looks like. My eyesight is an old 60-plus-year-old person is uh, not what he used to be, uh, and the year is 5782. Praise Jesus. Today is officially Passover, Passage, April 22nd of 2022, so it is not the lead-up days to it. It is the day. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I wonder if there's any numerical significance to 22022 for all of those of you who uh, love to embrace uh, uh, numbers. Um, That isn't my bag. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That is my thing, but I know a lot of people do. But I just do find it. I find it interesting. The Passover of 20, April 22 of 2022, that just has a kind of a rhyme to it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right. And tonight, Together, we light the Sabbath candles, uh, one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit. I like to light three. If I can get this lighter that I keep on smashing the drawer against to work. Thank you, Lord. Here we go. One for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Ghost. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We praise your name. Praise your name. Tonight, it is now 8.16 p.m., on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. And for those who can't even see it, Father, we pray that you have mercy. For your mercy does endure forever. The Hebrew Kaddish. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu V'shabak kodshobeyav v'avratzon 
in Chilanu, Zikaron lemase vereshit. Ki hu yom techila lemikra e kodesh, zechelitziat mitzrayim. Kivanu vacharta, veotanu kidashta, mikol hamim. Veshabhat kodshecha, beava uvratzon, himchaltanu. Baruch Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little sins, foxes, that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. Praise God. Even in the Passion Translation for Song of Songs 213b through 215, which I just read by Brian Simmons, even there, Jesus asks us to remove them and then offers to help. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't say I can do all things through, I can do all things because Christ will do them for me. Isn't that fascinating? Isaiah 4.13, I'm sorry, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But who does it? I can do all things. I can do all things. How? Through Christ who strengthens me. Does he do it for you? Nope. Not at all. Not at all. He strengthens you. Which makes this so much more apropos. Will you catch them and remove them for me? Will you do it? Providing that the answer is yes, Jesus says, we will do it together.
to dwell upon your holy hill of The one who walks along a blameless path In all he does are only righteous July 30th, morning dedication. I've heard this before, but it's so powerful. And the subtitle is, 
And Peter remembered, and he broke down and wept. Mark 14:72. Spurgeon writes, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Probably one of the best preachers. It's amazing. There's so many that are just uh, so anointed. His probably his greatest gift is to be so sensitive to our proclivity to sin, but and so anointed to understand God's incredible mercy to forgive us over and over again, but also to do such an amazing job to verbalize and to teach the desperately dreadful the desperate dreadfulness of the choice to sin all in one i don't think there's any of god's generals or teachers or preachers that have ever done such a wonderful well-rounded job as charles burden to capture it all with such power he says it has been thought by some that as long as peter lived the fountain of his tears began to flow whenever he remembered that he had denied his Lord. It is not unlikely that it was so, for sin was very great, and grace in him after, had afterwards a perfect work. This same experience is common to all the redeemed family. It's all of us. According to the degree in which the Spirit of God has removed the natural heart of stone. We, like Peter, remember our boastful promise. Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away, Peter said. We eat our own words with the bitter herbs of repentance. I don't know if Peter said that or not. I don't know why it's in quotes, but I assume that. Yeah, it must be. It says, he said, it goes on to say, we eat our own words with the bitter herbs of repentance. Why would they be bitter herbs? Because we hurt our father. We should love him more than anything. The number one commandment, the most important of all, is to love, love, really love, adore, deeply love our Father. Really love Him. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. It's the number one commandment. This is talking about godly sorrow. To feel crushed inside. Psalm 51 says, I have sinned against you and you alone. Against you and you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight, King David said. He who was so greatly loved by God danced before God with all of his might. Against you and you only I have sinned and done this evil on your sight, he said.
Spurgeon goes on to say, we, again, we eat our own words with the bitter herbs, the godly sorrow of repentance. When we think of what we vowed we would be and of what we have been, we may weep whole showers of grief. He remembered denying his Lord, Peter did. The place in which he did it, the little cause that led him into such heinous sin, the oaths and blasphemies with which he sought to confirm his falsehood, and the dreadful hardness of heart that drove him to do so again and yet again. How forgiving Jesus must be, how compassionate he must be, Can we, when we are reminded of our sins and their exceeding sinfulness, remain stolid and stubborn? In other words, not be repentful, not be sad, not be full of tears, not be remorseful, not have guilt, not be contrite in spirit, not feel unworthy. We will not make our house a place of, or will we, question mark, will we not? Make our house a place of sacrifice and cry to the Lord for renewed assurances and pardoning love? May we never take a dry-eyed look at sin in case we discover our tongue parched in the flames of hell. See, that's a perfect example of the unique quality of Spurgeon. How in one sentence or two or three sentences, he can transition from the incredible compassion, love, grace, and pardoning of Jesus under the worst-case scenario and shift into the understanding of the fear of God. And do it quickly, but yet shift back to the pardon, to remind us gently but fearsomely the ramifications of failing to love our Father. Peter also, I quote, Peter also remembered that his, his master's look of love, the Lord followed up the rooster's warning voice with an admonitory look of sorrow, pity, and love. That glance that Jesus gave Peter was never out of Peter's mind for as long as he lived. It was far more effectual than 10,000 sermons would have been without the Spirit. The penitent apostle would be sure to weep when he remembered the Savior's full forgiveness, which restored him to his former place. To think that we have offended so kind and good a Lord is more than sufficient reason for being constant weepers. Lord, smite our rocky hearts and make the waters flow.
and humbles my heart. Lord, let me always long for you and humble my heart. Humble my heart. Humble my heart. Lord, let me always lean on you and humble my heart. Humble my heart. Humble my heart. Lord, let me always walk in you and humble my heart. And humble my heart. Humble my heart. Humble my heart. Lord, let me always trust in you and humble my heart. Hallelujah. You saw me before I was born. You saw me before I was born. Gee, I wonder what I looked like. <laughs> Psalm 139.16. You saw me before I was born. I think it was in his imagination. No, I don't think so. He foreknew us. Every day of my life was recorded in your book, Father. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Wow. 
For we as we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10. That's a brother and sister verse there, or sister and sister verse, however you want to say it. Psalm 139.16 goes side by side with Ephesians 2.10. That's a perfect example of how there is synergy, or if you want, harmony between the Old Testament and the New, if you can receive it. However, Jesus, when he established the New Covenant, this is the new covenant in my blood. Okay. This is the new eternal contract in my blood. The new covenant. Gee, how so? Well, here's a perfect example. When Jesus came to the earth, he knew what he was here for. He came to get us. Isn't it fascinating when... Uh, how uh, in the court system, when a person serves their sentence, they, um, you know, the, it, it, the terminology that is used, you know, redeemed, uh, they paid the price, <laughs> you know, a lot of the terminology is very similar when it speaks about somebody who has done their time, you know. And Jesus came to redeem us, ultimately to rescue us from our our prison. But yet he established a new contract, a new covenant, which is an eternal contract, covenant, new covenant in his blood. In Matthew 5.43, we see a classic example of the many times in which Jesus superseded the Old Testament, the new contract, the new eternal contract. He supersedes it. But you have to be able to detect it, to be able to receive it, or you're, you will be blinded. And you will go back to the Old Testament, you will hold up certain scriptures, and you will say, look, it says you can do this. Well, it also <laughs> I won't get into all the things that it says you could do in the early part of the Old Testament because, boy, let me tell you something. You do that kind of stuff today and you're going to go to jail forever and ever. Amen. But such an easy example right here, Matthew 5.43, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, He's, you know, before he died on the cross, obviously, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, I wonder where they heard that. Right? But I say to you, see, that's him establishing. He's now binding a new contractual clause into the new contract, the new eternal covenant, or new eternal contract, which is a covenant, a new covenant. But I say to you, love your enemies. See, before in the Old Testament, they could hate their enemies. But Jesus says, nope, nope, not anymore. Sorry. Can you imagine how befuddled they were? <laughs> you know, if they didn't realize that he was God come in the flesh, the Messiah, then what authority would he have to say something like that after thousands of years? 
But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you, that you may be sons of God, sons of your Father in heaven. Whoa. For he makes his son, S-U-N, rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. That's deep. For if you love those who love you, what reward of you? So by virtue of him asking you that question, the implication is none. <laughs> okay. Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, why do you, why, you know, why do you do more than others? You don't. What's the implication? to do more than others. You're expected to rise above the flesh. You're expected to be godly in your behavior. You're expected to be loving like the Lord God. You're expected to rise up and to be like Him now. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Nothing. Do not even the tax collectors do so? He's really driving the point home. But here's the clincher. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. So what that means is in order for you to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, you have to rise above all of your fleshy, normal, natural responses. <laughs> you know, hate those who hate you, you know, persecute those, you know, and despise and no. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. That you may be sons of God in heaven. Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Wait a minute. How can we be perfect? We're seeped in sin. Ah. John. First John 1 i to double-check my math on this one. I used to quote this one like almost every day. 1 John 3, 7, I believe it is. Hold on a second. I want to verify it. Okay. Yeah, here it is. It's awesome. 1 John 3, 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Just as he, the Lord Jesus, is righteous. So let's see if we're being tricked by the translators for a second. We'll go in and take a look at the Greek behind the text. Let no man dece- let no one deceive you. It's all there, little children. Let no one deceive you. It's all there in the Greek. He that doeth, he that doeth righteousness. is, even as he, righteous, is righteous even as he is righteous. So there it is. It's all, it's all there in Greek. There's no, um, if you will, supposed or assumed um, text, like happens in many cases. Now, the word doeth, which would be 
practice. Let's take a deeper look at that one. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Why would we practice righteous? The Greek word is from Strong's NT4160. The pronunciation is poyo. It means apparently or prolonged form of an obsolete primary. Okay, now it's talking about the... Uh, it's talking about the... Uh, uh, conjugation of the sentence and, and the use of the word, but, you know, more or less direct, very wide application, but it says to abide, to, uh, to agree, appoint, to band together, to bring forth, cast out, commit. Cond yeah, this one's deep. <laughs> he who practices righteousness. Poyo, let's see here. Observe, ordain, perform, purposed. Yield, agree to. Yeah, this one here. This is an interesting word. Just looking at it. So in the King James, directly it says doeth. So he who doeth, doeth righteousness is righteous, just as Jesus is righteous. In the New King James, it says, he who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. But if you're practicing or doing righteousness when you are not righteous, because remember, we seek ye first the kingdom of God and whose righteousness? His righteousness. So it is through our repentance, continuous repentance and self-examination, that we practice righteousness, that we do righteousness then we become righteous as Jesus is righteous through that continuous cycle of identifying, polling ourselves, being constantly aware of what we're saying, doing, thinking, feeling. That's doing righteousness. That's practicing righteousness. That makes us righteous as Jesus is righteous. Then, of course, it says, he who sins is of the devil. But you've got to understand that when it says, he who sins is of the devil, it's not, it doesn't mean that you're owned by the devil. If that were the case, then King David's in hell. <laughs> okay? So we know that's not true. So we easily can see that when it says, he who sins is of the devil, what it's really saying is, he who sins is doing it on account of the devil. You're not behaving in a righteous manner. Then it even goes on to say, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Then it gets a little confusing because the translation goes on, whoever has been born of God does not sin. It's a little confusing, isn't it? So essentially, the implication here is that when we practice righteousness... Because it even goes on to say, and this, this is verse 10, and this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the word that you, are, the messages you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain who was of the wicked one. What does that mean? And murdered his brother. 
And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his, brother, and his brothers were righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren. If the world hates you, you know that we have passed from death to life. Because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. That's pretty strong. Then we jump over to 1 Corinthians 13. We see what love, we see the impact of the word love means. So remember what you just heard. He who does not love his brother abides in death, right? That doesn't sound like welcome to heaven, good and faithful servant, does it? 1 Corinthians 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I have become sounding brass and clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and knowledge, though I have all faith that I could move, remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I give all my gifts to feed the poor, and I give my body to be burned for Jesus, but I have not love, It profits me nothing. I get no rewards for it. None. But then it tells us what love is about. And remember, if you don't love your brethren, you are abiding in what? Death. 1 John 3, 10, 11, 12. 1 Corinthians 4. I'm sorry, 13, 4. This talks about love. What is it like? What is it like to love your brother and your sister in Christ? And then ask yourself what you see on Facebook. Ask yourself what you see coming out of the YouTubers out there. Ask yourself what you see coming out of the people that that believe that they they can shoot their way in heaven. Ask yourself that question, because Paul makes it very clear right here. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love suffers long. Now, why would it suffer? Why would love suffer? What it means is, Love takes a beating. It's like a Timex. It keeps on ticking. No matter how much and how mean people are to you, no matter what, you don't respond to it. As Paul put it in another scripture, you entreat. He says, we entreat. To entreat basically means, you know, you kind of hold your hands up, you hang your head down, you let them call you all kinds of names and drop F-bombs about you and all that kind of stuff, and you just walk away. You you just you don't respond. That's what it means when it says love suffers long and is kind. It's kind. It's kindness. So if somebody's out there on YouTube saying bad things about another person or another ministry, is that love? And is the person that's in the other ministry their brother? By definition of the Bible, they are. It says, love does not envy. Now, most of us are pretty much okay with that. But we somehow miss the concept of being kind. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Okay, most of us can be pretty cool with that. Verse 5, 1 Corinthians 13. Love does not behave rudely. Wow. Wow. But what does it say in 1 John 3, 10, 11, and 12? Those who are unkind and do not love their fellow brothers and sisters abide in death. Ouch. 
Love does not seek its own, so it's not selfish. Which, by the way, aligns with the scripture in James. I think it's, it might be 4-7, but I don't know. I've got to go back and read James again and again and again. Um, but um, where it says, He who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. Boy, that's a tall man. That is a very high bar. He who knows how to do, knows to do good and does not do it, it is a sin. Love does not seek its own. It's not selfish in any way. It's not provoked. Woo, that's heavy. It's not provoked. You can't be provoked. Imagine if you were deeply in love with somebody. Have you ever? Just try to put yourself, allow yourself to be in the flesh just for a moment and go back in time. Now, I'm not doing this in a godly manner. I'm using this as as an analogous, an analogy of an example to help bubble up the meaning of what this is trying to say, to rise it up into your heart. Okay? Imagine, at least at one point, it's highly likely, maybe not every single person listening to this program right now, but probably the majority, at least at one time in their life, in the flesh, was in love with somebody. Truly and deeply in love with somebody. You wanted to know their favorite color. You wanted to be able to to surprise them with gifts and read their mind and do amazing, wonderful things and make them so happy. You would wanted to cook dinner for them. You wanted to, you know, rub their feet. You wanted to watch TV with them and 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 snuggle in front of a, you know, I don't know, a chick flick or something, whatever. But you, you follow, you know, that person was so utterly important to you. You would do anything for them. Person had a bad day and flipped out. Started calling you names. You may not even know why yet. But you wouldn't be provoked because you love them. Certainly you'd want to understand why eventually, but you would let them vent. You wouldn't be provoked. You wouldn't respond. You wouldn't say mean things and use foul language against them. You would let them vent. You'd be quiet. You'd be sad. Love is not provoked. Godly love is not provoked by earthly beings. (laughs) Okay, That's really what this is saying. It goes on to say, in the second clause of that, or in this, you know, it says it doesn't behave rudely, doesn't seek its own, it's not selfish, it's not provoked, and it thinks no evil. So it doesn't think bad things. Think about the person that you might, this whoever this person might have been in your past that you loved. Did you think evil things about them? <laughs> no. Reflect back to 1 John 3, 10, 11, 12. He who doesn't love his brother 
abides in death. Now, does it mean they're going to hell? Does abiding in death mean they're going to hell? Not if they repent. Not if they confess of their sins. Because in that same book, in the very beginning of it, 1 John 1, 9 says, He who confesses his sin. When you confess of your sin, our Father is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Love does not rejoice in sin. Love rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, believes in all things, hopes in all things, endures all things. Love never fails, verse 8. And then it goes on to talk about all the other things like tongues and prophecies and knowledge and all that will vanish away until Jesus comes. Praise God. And it says in verse 13, it closes the whole love teaching with the words, and now abide in faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. How deep is that? In all humility, we have to be the Beatitudes. Praise God. Yeah, First John, the book of First John, because I've, I've known church elders and things like that before, and I've had these conversations, but in general, it is exceedingly rare, rarer than pure gold. Any church pastor would ever attempt to teach from the book of First John because it appears to be full of conflicts, until you realize that it's a continuous cycle of sanctification, confession, not because we willfully sin, but because we love our Father and we don't want to hurt Him. But first, you have to understand love. And if you love your father, you love your neighbor, you love your enemies, and you especially love the brethren. It's humble. It's contrite. We weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice because we genuinely love them. We're really, truly happy for them. We don't do it because we feel obligated. We do it because we are genuinely, empathetically happy for them. That is some super deep stuff. And it's just so sad that it's the opposite of what we see around us. Mm. 
Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. Just so powerful. Thank you, Father. Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our soul, our spirit, and our mind, our flesh, 
our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven, with your precious blood and holy fire. In the name of the Lord Jesus, Father, in Jesus' name, as a royal priesthood, First Peter 2.9, we come before your throne of grace. Oh, we need that grace. Thank you, Father. Father, in Jesus' name, we declare that any entity of the darker, darkness, worker of Satan, live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus its Lord and Savior, that attempts to come against us at the very moment that they take their wills against us, we decree the fire of God to shoot down from the glory pillar and to burn them in the screaming agony, scattering the darkness in all directions. In Jesus' name, we bind Colossians 2.15, where Jesus has powerfully overcome principalities and powers, making a public spectacle of them thereof. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we pray that holy fire of God to drop down on them like napalm and stick to them, to, to scare the demons of darkness, to scatter them away. We declare the fire of God in the name of Jesus to vaporize all spiritual weapons, all earthly weapons, all fiery darts that are launched against us. We tear up all demonic contracts. We cancel all demonic assignments placed against us in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We declare the holy fire of God to swirl in the midst of a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit around about our households. We plead with the courts of heaven for the assignment of mighty warrior angels, fully clad in the armor of God, diamond-tipped swords, sharp as razor blades, to stand guard outside of our dwelling places and to protect our loved ones in Jesus' name. We declare the fire of God to swirl throughout our workplaces, to swirl around about our vehicles wherever we go. We plead with the courts of heaven in the name of Jesus for a platoon of warrior angels, Delta Force angels, in Jesus' name, SEAL Team 7 angels, to, to ferret out all attempts to come against us, to search out all portals, to search out all indirect attacks, to move through our workplaces and to cancel out all of these attacks, to place any of the demons that are attempting such attacks under arrest, to strike them deaf, blind, and dumb, cast them into the pit. Father God, and we declare the holy fire of God to weld the pit shut. We plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. Hallelujah. We exercise the rule of the victor, the Lord Jesus Christ, over any demonic region that would attempt to set their wills against us. We exercise the rule of the victor, the Lord Jesus Christ, against any demonic region that would permit spirits in or through their territory for the purpose of coming against us. We command in Jesus' name that they be cut off from ever receiving power from the kingdom of darkness again. We require the immediate disbursement of all of their funds from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We require the immediate destruction of all of their books and artifacts of sorcery. We require the immediate reversal of all their schemes, cancellation of all of their assignments against us. Penalties in the name of Jesus Christ applied. We cast them into the pit. Father, we declare in the name of Jesus your holy fire to surround our loved ones. We pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that you will save their souls. In the name of Jesus, we believe. We come before you, Father. We ask for your grace. We ask you to forgive them of their sins. As your servant Nehemiah did in chapter 1, verse 6, on behalf of all of Israel, Father, on their behalf, we confess of their sins. We confess of their sins of their first fathers and their fathers' fathers until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. In the name of Jesus, on their behalf, as a royal priesthood, praise you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. John 20, 25. If you forgive the sins of any, they shall be forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they shall be retained. Father, we pray that you will forgive them of their sins. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray thee, Father, that you will surround them with your holy fire. Prevent any unclean spirit from reentering them. We bind and cast out anything that does not call Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that is, is hindering their walk, that is preventing them from hearing the word of God, from believing in the name of Jesus. We come against it in Jesus' name. We bind and cast it into the pit. Out! In Jesus' name, we cast it into the pit, and we declare the fire of God, the well, the pit shut. Hallelujah. Father, even if but for a time, we pray for a breakthrough in Jesus' name. We ask you to encapsulate them completely on all sides with the whirlwind of the Holy Spirit combined with the holy fire of God and a thorny hedge of protection that nothing unclean may re-enter the clean-swept house. Father, send angels of light and love into their dreams and visions of the night. Job 33, 14, and 15, Father, to save their souls from the pit. We pray in Jesus' name and we believe. Mark 11:23. we believe. Otherwise, we would not pray. We believe. We will not take this back. We will not doubt. No matter what we see our sons or daughters or our loved ones doing, we praise you, Father, because we know that they are in your hands. And you are not a man that you should lie. Thank you for saving their souls. Thank you, Father. Praise your name. Praise your name. Hallelujah. This time I use holy oil. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We consecrate ourselves to the complete ownership of the Lord Jesus Christ. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against us. We declare the abundant grace of God, the living water, to come upon us this evening, the crystal river of life, to wash all impurities from every particle of our existence in this strange prison planet hologram. We plead the blood of Jesus upon us, and we pray, O oh Lord Jesus, please cleanse us with your purity. We declare that no weapons raised against this earthly or spiritual soul even exist where they shall be vaporized by the fire of God. We rebuke the devil, we rebuke the demons, and you must flee. We cancel all demonic assignments against us with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ in Jesus' name. We break all yokes of bondage. We break all strongholds against us in the name of Jesus. We declare the holy fire, a thorny hedge of protection around about us on all sides and around about our workplaces, around about every part of our existence on this earth, that we shall not be hindered in our, in our, in, in our plight, in our struggle, in our challenge to continuously reside in the secret place of the most high. We declare the whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow the fire white hot, punching through the spiritual realm, surrounding our prayers in the name of Jesus, and melting the firmament of the rock and entering the throne room of God, uniting with the glory pillar and the spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. Father, we abandon ourselves into your hands. Do with us what you will, whatever you may do. We praise your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. We are ready for all. We proclaim it. We confess it. We accept all, Father, no matter what it is. Good or bad. As Job said, though he slay me, yet I will trust you. Let only your will be done in us and all of us. We wish no more than this. Father, we commit our hands, we commit ourselves into your hands, our soul, our spirit. We offer it to you with all of the love of our heart. Father, if we don't love you enough, help us to love you more. Pour out your love into our heart. Teach us your love. Fill us with your love. Make it supernatural. Place the godly love in our heart. Help us to understand. Bring us to that new level, that new light, the new presence, where we transcend. Transcend that, which we are bound by here 
for such a short period of time. Help us to see things in perspective. Help us to surrender and let go. Help us to keep our eyes on you when the water washes over our head. Let us see, as Elijah said, open our eyes that we may see. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay. Father, we pray that you will find us all worthy to not just be called, but to be chosen. We already know we're unworthy. We know you're our Father. Thank you, Jesus, for advocating for us for forgiving us, as you did, Peter. Let the waters flow. Forgive us, Father, for against you and you only we have sinned and done all of this evil in your sight. We confess it before you. We are utterly unworthy. But we are hopeful We praise you, Father, and we thank you for your mercy. We thank you so much for your mercy. Whatever you may do, we thank you. It rains on the just and the unjust. Change us, refine us, make us ready, please. Strengthen us. with an anointing of determination. Help us, Father, Lord Jesus, carry us through that we may be all that you envisioned and wrote in our books. Before we were born on this earth, when you foreknew us, In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. And on that note, we enter into communion. Disciples were seated about you at the eve of unleavened bread. You said I'd eagerly yearn for this supper, and that you'd suffer so his children could be fed. I can only imagine the silence in the room as you passed on the bread to be torn. They did not understand. Reach of his plan in his love we were told to rejoice not to mourn so we gather from memory the glory of the lamb the one who was slain for the seed of abraham as we long for your coming we imagine the feast the king and his bride when our waiting has ceased 
He arose and went back up to heaven to speak to the heavenly host. You lifted the cup of forgiveness. It was paid, it was done. You had power to pose, and I can only imagine the thunderous sound as though heaven exploded in tears. We were free from our chains. Now all that remains is to never give in. We are destined to win. So we gather remembering the healer of our soul. Destroyer of death, the Lord of our all. The light in our arms, the edge of our sword. The King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. For we believe in a land All of creation Restored by His hand Eternity All is revealed By the time we remember all scars will be healed. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the Lord and his bride. When our waiting has ceased. Come and 
But you, you, you're a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of a good report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. He, Jesus, went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. By the way, anybody who says Jesus wasn't having second thoughts when he was going through this doesn't get it. So obvious. And that goes hand in hand with Jesus on the cross saying, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Can you imagine what it must have been like to go through? It's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Paul said, do you not know that you're not your own? That you were bought and paid for with a price? <laughs> have, you, have you thought about that a little bit? We all want all the rewards, but we don't want we don't want to pay the price. First Timothy three sixteen God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, and believed upon in the world, and received up in the glory. We pray for purification based upon Psalm fifty one, one through fourteen. Thank you, Jesus.
Dear Heavenly Father, we pray, please, have mercy upon us. Remember that we are dust, as you promise, in Psalm 103.11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. Oh, praise you, Jesus. As high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is your mercy towards those who fear you. For as far as the east is from the west, so far have you separated our iniquity, our sin from us. Praise you, Jesus. As a father pities his children, so the Lord God pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, Father, we pray that you will blot out our transgressions. In accordance with Isaiah 43:25, we pray for your own sake that you will not remember our sins. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. We confess them before you, Father. Our sin is always before us. Against you, Father, the one we're supposed to love with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. Against you and you only we have sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. And you will, of course. Father, for behold, we were brought forth in iniquity, and in sin our mothers conceived us. How fascinating that that very scripture is. In sin, my mother conceived me. Was King David's mother an especially sinful person? Behold, Father, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make us to know your wisdom. Praise you. Thank you, Father. Purge us with hyssop and we shall be clean. Wash us, Father. Wash us. And make us whiter than snow. Make us hear joy and gladness. That the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from our sin and blot out all of our iniquities. Create in us a clean heart, Father. Create in us a clean heart. Do not let us offend the Holy Spirit to grieve him. Pour out an anointing of joy upon us, reminding us of our salvation and how much you deeply, deeply love each of us and did when we were at our worst. Help us to have courage to be dedicated in prayer 
for the salvation of sinners and the souls of the people across the world. Let us contend together. And Father, deliver us from the guilt of all of our past sin that we may praise your name forevermore. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In that same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani. Lododi, Lododi Lee, I am my beloved, my beloved is mine.
eternity you died for me there was life wherever you touched you were strong you were kind you were just you were aiming for the goal You were smiling, always strong and secure through your work, like a shepherd guiding his herd, giving shelter in the soul. Cause I know that your word holds power to grow. For your spirit and serenity is beating. You were hurt for my offense. You were sick for my deceit. You were poor for my prosperity. You are strong and I am weak. I praise you, my Redeemer. I praise you, Majesty. You were left by God alive. You always be with me. And I know I will never be
We are the sons of God. We are the masters of the devil. We are the servants and foot watchers of mankind. Oh, so I sought for a man amongst them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Ezekiel 22.30 Father, we heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send who will go for us? Father, here we are. Send us. Isaiah 43, 25-26 I, our Father says, even I am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance and let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. John 14, 12-14 Most assuredly I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, but greater works than these will he do, because I go unto the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Ephesians 3.20 And now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. First John 3, 8 through 9. For this, purpose, this is the, uh, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Wait a minute. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Colossians 2.15. Jesus, having disarmed principalities and powers, he disarmed them, disarmed them. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over in him over that over them in it which is the cross so if he made a public spectacle of principalities and powers so he must have humiliated them where in the demonic realm in front of satan and all the other evil darkness Intensified prevailing prayer is God's ordained law and method for implementing his redemptive plan in this age until Jesus returns. It is the highest, the holiest, and the mightiest effort of which a child of God is capable. It is God's chosen way to bring heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's angels into action upon the earth. Charles Spurgeon said, he who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. Intensified prayer is clothed with the might of God himself. Wesley L. Duell, the book Mighty Prevailing Prayer. James 5.16b, the effective fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. Having, uh, again, fervent meaning, having or displaying a passionate intensity. Impassioned, passionate, intense, vehement, ardent, sincere, fervent, and heartfelt. Thank you, Jesus. We cast out demons, Mark 16, 17 to 18. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues, and they will take up servants. And if they drink anything, ingest anything. Deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. If they're not practicing these things, do they get the benefit of these promises? The answer is no. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, and but mighty in God. Mighty in God. They, our weapons are not earthly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds every, and casting down arguments of every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. 
bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we, not, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness of the siege, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. Luke ten nineteen, Jesus said to the 70 before he died on the cross, before Pentecost, 70 sinners in the multitude that he called out, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall be, by any means hurt you. Power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. But if you're not using Jesus' name, oh, Mark 9.25, when Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Matthew 12.28-30, but if I cast out demons, Jesus said, by the spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods? Strong man being the, uh, the uh, more powerful of the demons. There's always multiple demons. They hang out together in clusters. Okay, It's a hierarchy. It's a kingdom in and of itself, the kingdom of darkness. Cut off the head of the snake. Unless he first binds the strong men, and then he will plunder his house. Kick out the other demons. Matthew twelve forty three to 45. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes to a dry place of seeking rest and finds none. And then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he goes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. And then he goes and takes with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. For they failed to go and sin no more. And they didn't fight back because nobody told them how. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Your Heavenly Father, symbolically, we hold up a golden cup of forgiveness before your throne. Lord God, Mighty Father, we pray for the peoples of the lands of the Middle East. We ask you, Lord, to pour out a golden cup of forgiveness upon all of them. Your will be done, and we know that you would want not one to perish. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In Jesus' name. We part the spiritual realm above the lands of the Middle East as the Red Sea. For safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power to descend upon the lands of the Middle East. In Jesus' name, God's will be done. Father, as your servant Nehemiah did in chapter 1, verse 6, and Daniel in chapter 9.25, on behalf of Israel, we confess of the sins of the peoples of the lands of the Middle East, Father, and the lands of Israel. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their father's fathers until before there was time. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness. And, Father, we break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees until before there was time. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.
principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual host of wickedness, and rulers of darkness in high places above the lands of the Middle East, we come against you. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, and by his blood, we decree fire swords of cherubim to be shot down from the heavens and to cut you into pieces. We declare fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar in the throne room and to burn them in the screaming agony, making a public spectacle of them. We bind before the courts of heaven against them. Colossians 2.15 in Jesus' name. And we plead, Father God, in the name of Jesus, and decree that it's batch of hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels, fully clad in the armor of God, diamond-tipped swords sharp as razor blades, to enter into the spiritual realm above the lands of the Middle East and to wage war against them, such as never been seen since before there was time. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, binding or hindering the hearts and the minds of the lost peoples across all of the lands of the Middle East, from the northern sides of Turkey to the southern sides of the Sudan, to the far western sides of Gaza, to the eastern sides of Yemen and Oman. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we come against you demons of darkness, and we command you to come out, come out, in the name of Jesus, strong men. Release them now. We have loosed your legal rights to the peoples of the lands of the Middle East, and we command you, out. Now, in Jesus' name, subordinate spirits, unclean, come forth. In Jesus' name, we decree and declare and plead with the courts of heaven for the dispatch of hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels to descend upon the lands of the Middle East, to strike these demons, deaf, blind, and dumb, place them under arrest, and cast them into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut. We plead the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn them into screaming agony. For we have come to punish you before your time. For greater things than these will we do, because our Lord Jesus Christ has gone unto the Father. Lord, we plead your blood to seal that pit, even a foot for a time. We declare and decree in the name of the Lord Jesus, the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit, to encapsulate them on all sides. Let nothing unclean re-enter the clean-swept house. In Jesus' name. Father, we plead in the name of Jesus and declare this holy fire to sustain deep into the night. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Father, we declare, we plead with the courts and we pray that you will pour out the crystal river, the living water, your abundant grace into their hearts to fertilize the soil therein, that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit and the fruit will remain in accordance with John 15:16, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will send down an innumerable company of angels of light and love and your presence into the dreams and visions of the night when deep sleep falls upon men to save their souls from the pit and to seal their instruction. Job 33, 14, and 15. Hallelujah, King James. We praise you. Thank you, Father. Your will be done. Father, we pray that you will come upon them in dreams and standing visions of the night or uh, standing visions of the day. Cause miracles to happen, Father God. Allow them to see you. Lord Jesus, we pray that you will reach your hand out in compassion to them in their dreams, that they will see the man in the white robe, and then we pray that you will call them out by their name, that they will receive you, and that there will be a greater remnant bride than was conceived since before there was time. In Jesus' name. Dear Heavenly Father, we raise up this golden bowl of forgiveness before you, Father, once again, as a royal priesthood, the elect of God. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will pour out this golden bowl of forgiveness upon all the peoples of the lands of Europe. Father, forgive them, please, for they know not what they do. Europe 
is one of the worst countries in the world. It's amazing how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of people don't know you at all, think you're a myth. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will forgive them. Forgive them for they know not what they do. They really, truly, truly don't. If they did, they wouldn't. They would believe. They would know. They would seek. Father, forgive the dead churches all over Europe that come from the Roman Catholic dispositions. Father, may many of the people that are there even now be led through the presence of the Holy Spirit to go to the very few Pentecostal and Assembly of God churches that do exist over there. This, even the Seventh-day Adventist, Father, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Father, as your servant Nehemiah did in chapter 1, verse 6, Daniel 1, 9, 25, we confess of their sins before thee, Father God. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their father's fathers until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. All generational and bloodline curses across every branch of their family trees until before there was time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Father. Even if but for time. Principalities and powers, spiritual host of wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places above the lands of Europe, from the far western sides of Ireland to the far eastern sides of the eastern black states, from the northern sides of Norway to the southern sides of Cyprus, all lands in between. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we praise you, Father God. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, principalities and powers, we declare fire swords of cherubim to shoot down from the heavens and to cut you into pieces. We declare the fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you in the screaming agony, making a public spectacle of you thereof. In Jesus' name, we bind Colossians 2.15 against thee. Hallelujah. We decree hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels and archangels to follow, to enter into the spiritual realm and to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, and to wage war against these such as never been seen since before there was time. Hallelujah. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, binding or hindering the hearts and the minds of the lost peoples across all of the lands of Europe. Strong men, we command you, out now, come out. In Jesus' name, subordinate spirits, out in the name of Jesus Christ, we cast you into the pit. We declare the holy fire of God to weld the pit shut. We declare and decree and plead with the courts of heaven for an innumerable company of angels of war to descend upon the lands across all of the lands of Europe and to strike these demons, deaf, blind, and dumb, place them under arrest and cast them into the pit. We declare the holy fire of God to burn them where they stand. In Jesus' name, weld the pit shut. We plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit. For only you, Lord, can break that seal. Even if but for a time, we're asking for a breakthrough. We declare the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot deep into the night. And to encapsulate every single, even if but for a time, Father God, in Jesus' name, every single man, woman, and child across those, those states, those nation states across the lands of Europe. In Jesus' name, even if but for a short time, Father, we're looking for a breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will pour out your mercy, your grace, the crystal river, the living water into their soul. Fertilize the spirit. Fertilize it, Lord, that they will receive the seeds of these prayers, and the prayers will bear fruit, and the fruit will remain in accordance with John fifteen sixteen in Jesus' name. 
And we plead with you, Father, in Jesus' name to dispatch an innumerable company of angels in love, light and love, and your divine presence, Lord Jesus, into their dreams and visions. Deep into their dreams and visions. When deep sleep falls upon men and women to save their souls from the pit, to reveal your compassion, to reveal the man in the white robe, to call them, that they will hear your voice. We pray, Lord, reveal yourself supernaturally to hundreds of millions of people across all of the lands of Europe, across all of the lands of the Middle East. We part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea that none of these powers, none of these angelic powers will be hindered. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And we will see you next Friday, same time. Lord willing. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our minds. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you, we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life we are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Renew our mind, renew our soul Remove the scars from our past And deem us righteous We rebuke all deceptive lies When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride. Just set her free.